Hey everybody, welcome up to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hun? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. What's new? Uh, not a lot. Nothing really. <laughs> I know. It's like, what could possibly be new... When we never go anywhere yeah. or see anyone or do anything. Yeah, not, not a lot is new. <laughs> Quarantine. Yay. Wouldn't it be hilarious as though if when this one airs, the vaccine is out and life is starting to return to normal already? That would be nice. Wouldn't that be cool? And and people, people are like, like, what are they talking about? They don't go anywhere. What are they hermit people? Yeah, like things are fine now. It's January. We're living our lives. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Oh, that'd be so nice. That would be nice. I, I feel like it's not going to be. Living my best dreams here, hun. Yeah, I mean that's good. You gotta. Uh, what else is new? I have this lovely bottle of Chardonnay, sponsor us wine, <laughs> wine, pizza, Just the wine in general, sponsor us wine in the all of wine. There's got to be some sort of you know organizational body for wine, right? Well, in Ontario, isn't it the VQA? Yeah, so just get them to sponsor us, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. This particular is a Jackson Triggs Chardonnay. It Every episode can have lovely. a different wine sponsor. That would be a really cool idea. And then the popcorn sponsor, and then we just get the pizza every week, and oh, we'll be really fat. Flying high. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, not a whole lot going on in, in, in our world, so why don't we just dive right in. To for, a better time. To a, a better time, really? Well, the a better early time. 90s. Is it a better time? We'll see, I suppose. This week, we will be talking about Wayne's World, which originally hit theaters back in 1992. Just outside of Chicago. Galileo. Galileo. In the basement of this house. It's Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party time, excellent. Broadcast history is about to be made. Extreme close-up! I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. Now, they're on their way. No way! Way! To fortune. <laughs> and to babe heaven. It's Wade. This is definitely the type of place I'm going to get when I move out of my parents' house. It's Garth. I love you, God. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. It's a movie. Hi, Wayne. It just might be the greatest motion picture ever made. Are you mental? The has a devil put aside for me, for me. Very Perfect, fitting. right? Yeah. February 8th, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred peaks at number one. At first, I thought you were just saying that you were too sexy, and I'm like, you were like seven. Ew, no. That Yeah, that's why I was like, ew, no. Like, I remember that song being a bit hit, big hit at the time, though. And- I remember as a kid being like... Can you say sexy on the radio? I know, right? <laughs> also on February 8th, the 16th Winter Olympic Games open in Albertville, France. It's probably pronounced like Albertville, France. But either France? way. France. I, f- I feel like even if you live in France, you still say France and not France. I don't know. They have a different accent. I don't, I'm not It's not quite it. the same as the Okay, Quebec let's keep law. this rolling. Okay. February 15th, Jeffrey Dahmer is found oh. sane and guilty of killing... 
15 boys. Can't can't get by without some murder in this. Oh, one. just you wait. February 25th, the Kojalai Massacre. About 613 civilians are killed by Armenian forces during the conflict in the Nagorno-Karabakh region of Azerbaijan. Do you remember the, a couple episodes when I said I should keep a running body count of... I think that's now our highest body count. It might be February 29th. Boston Ray Burke becomes just the third defenseman in NHL history to score 1,000 career points. And I only added this one because I just wanted to note that February 29th existed in that year. Well, okay. That's it? That's the only reason you wanted to announce that? Nobody cares about some guy being the third defenseman in the NHL to score a thousand career points. Is, That's is, pretty impressive. What's that guy's name again? Ray Burke? Bork? Oh, I know him. No, you don't. I had his hockey card. Did you really? Yeah. Is I, it Burke or Bork? I think it's Ray Bork. Bork. Yeah. Bork, Bork. I mean, maybe it is Burke. <laughs> I always pronounce it Ray Burke. Or Bork, I mean. But... <laughs> oh, remember when Bork memes were big? Bork. Mork, anyway, Mork for Mork. Anyway, anyway, let's look at movies during early 1992, shall we? I, I can't wait to hear what else was out around this time. Well, this was did come out February 14th, the day of love. Oh, Valentine's. so we are very much at the start of the year. Mm -hmm. So you are looking at really to get an idea of how things were going. Looking at the end of 91, which was Hook. Okay, yeah. Which was a huge movie, obviously. And it uh, was the first few weeks of the year were still going to hook. And then it was The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Okay, yeah. Then Medicine Man for a single week. I have no idea what that movie is. You know, I looked at it and I already forgot who was even in it. Really? Yeah. I, I guess I just didn't care. Uh, <laughs> but that, of course, led into Wayne's World on the 14th, uh, which was a surprise hit and took in $18 million in its first weekend. That broke the February debut record and was the longest-running number one for 92, uh, which was tied with Basic Instinct for five weeks. Speaking of Basic Instinct, that is the movie that knocked it out of the top spot. Oh. The top movies of the year that came out that year were Aladdin, Home Alone 2, and Batman Returns, which was another Christmas movie that came out in like June. Yep. What was the early 90s and 80s doing? I, I don't know. Wayne's World was number eight for the year with 121.7 million domestic gross. It is also the most financially successful SNL adaptation. I think it was the second one too. Like it was the it first was one. It was Blues Brothers is the first and yeah. it was the second and the rest, including its own sequel after all kind of duds. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was the one that they were like, oh, yeah, this is profitable. And then it kind of wasn't. Yeah. 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 But I think the second most, or well, the second most successful one is Blues Brothers, which came out first mm. uh, a long time before, actually. And In then the, the third, yeah. the third is Wayne's World 2. And then it's just a real steep cliff they fall off what on. Was the financially. one, not the Love Guru, because that's a different Mike Myers movie. There's the Ladies Love, Man. Ladies Man. With that's Tim Meadows. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of sketches can translate to a full movie. No, no, they can't. So you were seven when this movie came out. I had just turned seven. My birthday is in February. Mm -hmm. So obviously you probably didn't end up seeing this in theaters. So no. do you recall what your first memories of Wayne's World were? Honestly, I feel like it's a movie that, because I feel like it's a movie we would have rented as a family. Mm -hmm. 
and watched it. And this was even before my sister was born. But even then, by the time it came out on VHS, my mom would have been pregnant with my sister. And I feel like it's something we would have rented here and there from the local video store. And then it'd be more like one of those things where, like, everyone at school was talking about it. So it was like, Mom, Dad, we have to watch this movie. We have to watch this movie. We have to watch this movie. We gotta watch it. We gotta watch it. Even then, I feel like in grade two, we probably weren't talking about this movie. So I feel like it was probably something that we didn't even then probably see until maybe I was in like fourth or fifth grade, which would be putting us at like 95. When did Wayne's World 2 come out? Ooh, so that is a, a great question. Yeah, because I'm curious if you've seen, if you saw it before Wayne's World 2 then. No, I definitely saw this one first. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I, I mean like before it came out, I mean. Oh, yeah, you know, that's a good question. Why can I not find? It came out in 93, so I know I might not have seen Wayne's World 1 until after Wayne's World 2 came out. Wow, quick turnaround. Yeah, very quick. Well, it was a huge, like, surprise hit. Whereas, like, it made, like, well, budget-wise, it was made for $20 million, which is, even in the early 90s, like, not the biggest budget, right? Obviously, like... We, we hear talk about people like, we're like, whatever happened to the $20 million movie? Because like, basically all the big hits at the box office these days are all movies that are made for two, $300 million. Yeah. Whereas what happened to the $20 million comedy being the smash hit of the box office? They're saying now, I mean, it might be well, different. Well, the world's a lot different now. I was gonna say, it, was it might be different. But I remember before COVID happened, they were talking about how the $20 million comedy style movie they weren't going to release them in theaters anymore no, because they don't make any money. Yeah. Put them on Netflix, put them on Hulu, put them on prime. Cause like people, but that's the thing, like the going and like, this is getting way off topic now, but one, I mean, with the internet, everything's getting spoiled. So like we've lost like the water cooler and like in like school and being like, Oh, did you see that movie this weekend? Like what movie? It's like, Oh, Wayne's world. You mean the idiots from SNL? It's like, yeah, it's really funny. Okay, we'll check it out. Like, we've mm-hmm. lost that. It's all you go on the internet and you're either spoiled immediately or people are shit-talking everything no matter what you do. And it's just at this point, and are you going to spend $18 a ticket? And that's just a ticket, not even snacks, to go to a movie that really isn't benefited by seeing it on the big screen. Like, right. it's not a spectacle movie. So... Are you going to save? Because like by time you, even then as a family, like this movie isn't really like, you know, all ages, obviously, but are you going to spend, say, two people going to the movies? You and I going on a date night, mm. even on cheap night, $15 a ticket. That's 30 bucks just for tickets, plus tax, plus entertainment tax, plus sex, plus food. But you're going to save that. If you're doing that more than once a month, you're like, that's a lot of money. So you're saving that for, especially when there's like a new superhero movie or new big blockbuster movie every month, you're saving that money for those movies. You're not going to see the comedy. You're like, I'll wait for it on Netflix or I'll rent it from the library or, you know, I'll download it on demand when it comes out later on digital. And even now, like who's going to risk going to a movie theater to watch something like Wayne's world, like the $20 million movie in a movie theater is dead. So like looking back at this movie, now I'm a little sad. 
But you know what I'm saying, right? Like this movie, again, $20 million made $183 million overall, right? Like by the time it was like done. The the sequel was made for $40 million. And you want to guess how much that made at the box office? 50? I don't know. Very close. 48.2. Yeah. That is a huge drop. But I'm pretty sure when I was looking into it, a lot of like a big movies came out at the exact same time which were like exactly why um yeah because it came out at the same time as because it came out of the holiday season instead which i mean february in 92 like nothing else came out as you could tell yeah february is usually a dead zone when it comes to big movies this one came out the second one came out december 10th and it came out at the same time as mrs doubtfire Schindler's List and the Pelican Brief, which were all huge success, like blockbuster movies. So this one just got left behind. If it if they'd done February again, it probably would have made a lot more money. Yeah, probably. Dum dums. God, it should be a movie. Like, yeah, they could have waited uh, like two December. months and had a much more much more successful movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what can you do? So yeah, so that that I mean, I sort of cut you off and we went on a slight tangent about. Yeah. So what, what do you recall about this movie when you're from your youth? You know what I actually am thinking? I think it was one of those movies that we ended up, as I got older, and this movie would probably be five or six years old at that point, maybe even a little more, like grade eight, grade seven, grade eight, which would have been 97, 98, renting for like sleepovers. And we'd rent one and two together and do a marathon. Mm-hmm. And the main things I remember are the do-do-do-do-do-do-do and like, excuse me sir do you have any gray poupon and like bohemian rhapsody and like a lot like schwing like the one linery type stuff a2 well when i was a kid i don't remember i i definitely didn't see this in theaters it's definitely a movie that i saw from the blockbuster rental the whole family watched it together kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and i remember my brother was pretty obsessed with it but i mean like you know my brother my brother's really big into music so and he would have been a fair bit older. He would have been like 11 or so. Yeah, so out. so he was big into it. But I remember I remember Wayne's World, not from the movie first. I remember Wayne's World from actually an SNL skit. Because my, you know what? Yeah. Because my parents, they had a friend that we would go visit who lived out in Barrie. And because we, we were out in Barrie and there was nothing to do, we would watch like every time we went there. And we would go there fairly often, I recall. Every time we went there, we would watch this best of SNL VHS tape that they had. Oh, Jesus. And on it, there was a Wayne's World sketch. And it was the one where Wayne Gretzky shows up. Really? Yeah. And and I don't mean like another cast member playing Wayne Gretzky, like Wayne Gretzky himself. I think really? he actually hosted an episode and then he's on for that reason. It was, Interesting. It was when he was on the LA Kings and he was a really big star. But yeah, there was like an, an SNL VHS I don't know if they taped it or if it was a best of. I remember it being a best of. Like, I remember it being like an actual, you know, SNL branded case, you know? Yeah. Well, we, I, I've at least had DVDs like that. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's where my first like introduction to Wings World was, was from this VHS. Interesting. And then sure enough, I mean, I mean, I might be wrong. He maybe hosted it after because they continued to do the sketch on SNL for years after the movie. It makes sense. I mean, like, it would still be a big draw to see it on as it would be weird to be like, well, we made a movie and it was a super success. Let's never have the Let's character never, on the show again. Never mention. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like the sketch probably went for a fairly long time. Probably as long as Mike Myers was on the show. 
I mean, makes sense. God, how long was he even on the show? Eh? Like he's probably on there for a long time. Well, he wasn't. I by the time Austin Powers came along, he wasn't on the show anymore, and that was ninety seven. Ninety four. There you go. So, then there was two specials after where I know on the fortieth anniversary special they did a Wayne's World skit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last one. Yeah. So you're right. Like I, I remember when I was a teenager, we had like Comedy Network, and and it was it's. Yeah, it's Comedy Network in Canada. And uh, they had reruns of old SNL episodes on during the day. And I lived in the middle of nowhere and didn't have a lot to do. So I would watch old episodes of SNL in the middle of the day. Yeah. Because what else was I doing? Mm-hmm. And growing up in the middle of nowhere. I have these like <laughs> wonderful fan, like rose colored glasses of like growing up in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do and it being like, cottage core fun and then i actually think about it it's like no i just watch tv yep i didn't have anything to do there wasn't much to do i think we went out on a boat and then the rest of the time when we when we weren't on the boat we were watching this as an tape when we were on when we were in boat and barry in the middle of nowhere i think if i were an adult with responsibilities i'd have a lot less time for that but even then i'd probably make time for tv we used to watch a vhs there was a vhs with bugs bunny cartoons and i think there were the old world war ii ones where it's like super racist against japanese people and stuff yeah yeah yeah. i remember my neighbors growing up were even worse than i was with tv and we were talking about simpsons the other day and i remember their parents rented like this really nice cottage for the family for a week in the middle of nowhere to like get away from it all and the kids the entire week all they did was listen to the same simpsons simpsons compilation music cd or tape. It was so long ago because they missed TV so much. And it's literally the only thing they did for a week while they were up there. See, I have a similar that story. That would be infuriating as a parent. I have a oh similar story to God. that. A little different, but Rob, my friend Rob, his parents invited us out. They were going up to some cottage with some friends and they invited both Rob and Rob was, you know, he there, was no, there wasn't another kid. So they asked Rob if Rob wanted to bring me. And so I, I went and I forget, I don't even remember where we went, but I remember what we did and what we did because Rob and I drove up separately from his parents that we brought the PlayStation 2 with us oh and a whole bunch of games. And like he and I just sat in like the, in the cottage the entire time. <laughs> we played a lot of Tekken 4, I remember. That's, yeah. We wow. unlocked every ending. I remember. And you know what? Thing. Like, I think as a kid, I would have done the same thing. But as an adult, I'm just like... I would be so mad when my family went away and this is getting way off topic. We used to, cause my parents had a camper trailer and we'd go away like a couple weeks a year in that. And then every once in a while we take a big trip kind of thing. And uh, looking back and I was wondering why my mom would do this. And looking back now, especially as a parent, I'm like, Oh, she's a genius. She would, she'd be like, okay, here's the itinerary from the day. 7am. We're doing this. 8 a.m. We're doing this. 9 a.m. We're doing this. 10 a.m. We're doing that. It was like da, 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 da. the whole day was just like planned right out. And I was like, Mom, we're on vacation. Why are you doing this as an adult now that we're talking about this? I'm kind of like the the switch has gone off. And I'm like, oh, she was a genius because otherwise <laughs> my sister and I would have probably just sat on our butts and watched TV. Yep. There you go. There you go. Well, it's been fun reminiscing about not Wayne's World. And we're about 20 minutes in and we haven't even started talking about the movie yet. So we should probably- Fix it in post. No, I'm still going to keep all that, but we'll figure it out. But the thing that I actually wanted to mention first was getting into the movie. 
is it's definitely a movie that seems like it is written by people who write sketches. A hundred percent. Because. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. Like I, I was like, I remember the movie a lot, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I'm not remembering about the movie. And then as we were watching it, like this is just a general comment about the entire movie. I was like, Oh, it's not that I, I, I forget parts of the movie that are missing. The movie is really this kind of, is kind of this disjointed. Yeah. It really is like you're, you're destroyed is a good word for it. And it, I would say as it goes on, it's more disjointed. Yeah. Like I feel like we're literally starting talking about the movie and it gets, by the time it gets to the end, the end is so like not connected to the rest of the movie almost. No, it's not. It's just like, wait, this is happening. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff. Like it's, it's like, it's a series of sketches with the same characters Mm -hmm. And then every third sketch, they remember to mention the plot. Yes. You know, like. Yeah. And like, it's still funny, but you're right that it's just, it's a bit jumbled. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is more stuff we should discuss at the end at this point. Okay. Because then we're starting to get into review territory. Okay. Well, I I just thought, like, I just thought. But I agree with you. But that's that's a great way to set the tone for what we're talking about. Yeah. But I feel like. how disjointed this is. Any further discussing that, we're mm. going to start getting into how we felt about that okay. and what we liked or didn't like about okay, that, fair, fair, and fair. then we're into review territory. My first thought about this movie was how much I miss the early 90s. And it's so funny because like watching this movie, I'm like, man, I miss blank about the 90s. I miss this about the 90s. I miss that about the 90s. I miss like fill in the blank here about the 90s. And I'm just like, oh, going on adventures with my friends and like chilling out and this whole like idealism of the early 90s and mid 90s and what things were like. And then I'm like, am I actually remember doing any of this sort of thing with my friends? Or am I just remembering the movies I used to watch in the 90s (laughs) and thinking my life would be like that? And then it never was. That was just an episode of Dawson's Creek. Pretty much. <laughs> like they're they're like hang out in parking lots, but they're like with their friends and they're like a bit aimless and like Wayne starts the movie talking to the camera. He's a fair bit like Ferris Bueller mm-hmm. at the start of the movie where he's like talking to the camera about his life. It really does start like Ferris a lot. I think Wayne wants to be Ferris and Wayne's not Ferris. Mm-hmm. <gasps> we should do Ferris Bueller's too. I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I love Ferris Bueller is is one of those movies that I I have a category that I've not I've not expressed this anywhere but there's a series of movies that I know that will just be automatic double butter from both of us essentially oh, kind of a thing yeah. so it's just kind of like let's put those away like like the movies like Jurassic Park which is my favorite movie of yeah. all time there's no way that that movie is not going to get No, I might so, give that a plane Shut your mouth and get the hell out. But like what I mean is, is I've been avoiding doing movies like that. I'm leaving those to late. And you know what? The whole whole part of it too. And like getting back into like why we're doing this. But Mm -hmm. like this is also for us an excuse to watch these movies we haven't watched in years. I I watch Ferris Bueller twice a year. Like if not more. It's a movie I just throw on when I want to feel better. Yeah. And like seriously, I, I watched it a lot in the winter. I can count at least five Christmases where I've watched it on Christmas. Because I want to pretend it's June. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really cool. But no, like uh, this movie very much captures a lot of like just how being in the early 90s kind of felt as like an, even then as an outsider, really being seven years old, I was an outsider looking in. Mm-hmm. But this 
this feels like my own memories of what the time is like, but it's not. It just kind of really captures the essence of what that time was like. Because I grew up not in like a suburb like Wayne did, but I did grow up in a small town where not a lot was going on and like having to make your own fun and that kind of thing. But like, there, there's some things about like, you're like, I was like, what the hell is a rent party? And then once I kind of like thought about it and figured it out in the movie, because like Cassandra, the first time she talks to Wayne, she's like, you can come to my rent party. And it's like, what the hell is a, a rent? And like, is she talking about the, the musical and they realize it's a party they're throwing for her to pay her rent yes but it's not on like an apartment she lives in like a weird like she has a chain link fence in her home that's like the door to her bedroom is like a chain link fence there's like chain link fence crisscrossing this loft i guess it's a loft in a factory perhaps she's supposed to be cool right well, that's exactly, so, but she is every like quintessential like rock girl cool girl of the early 90s and like you know how, like the thing in the mid 2000s was the manic pixie dream girl yes cassandra was like peak of like i'd say what that was for the early 90s okay it's not Manic Pixie Dream Girl. It's like rock and roll, hard ass dream girl. She lives in a loft with chain link fence and wears nothing but leather. She sings in a rock band, but she's got a heart of gold. She can't make rent. I feel like she wore, she wore mostly lingerie, though. Well, she wears lingerie with leather. Fair, fair. But you know what I mean? Like she feels like the 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 peak of what would be like a dream girl for like early nineties kids. I mean, she was a dream girl. There's literally moments in the movie where Wayne just stares at her and like dream-like stuff dream happens. Dream weaver. That's actually for Garth, right? No, no. Wayne Wayne does dream, dream, yeah. dream weaver. It's foxy lady yes, for Garth. You're right. You're right. Yes. Garth has his own dream lady who we discovered is actually married to Dan Aykroyd yeah, in, in real, real life. life. For the last 37 years, maybe 38 at this point. That's very nice, though. Yeah, it's good I'm to like, hear. Good for him. Somebody, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, damn, she's way too fine for Dan Aykroyd. Well, I was, well, but he's gr- funny. So I was gonna say, hot chicks like funny guys. Yeah, there you go. And he's probably rich as Super shit. Super rich because he's part of that first SNL class. <laughs> yeah, and like Ghostbusters, and yep. he's got a winery. It's true. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's doing okay. They got kids. Like it's crazy. Doesn't he sell vodka and like a skull? I think he might. Yeah. Anyway. Like the bottle's a skull. It's not like a person's skull full of vodka. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Maybe it gives it extra flavor. Maybe. But like, did you notice how drapey, by comparison, Rob Lowe's clothes were? Oh, yeah, yeah. So 90s. It was very, very like... The fabric just drapes. Okay, so right off the bat in this movie, the movie starts in Rob Lowe's house like his apartment yeah and like i'd never noticed this before but his phone is like a triangle almost is it really it's very angular very angular weird like i mean it's all like everything in his apartment is like super 90s like modern chic or whatever right yeah so there's a lot of weird angular furniture and stuff but yeah his, I, that was the first thing i noticed i was like that phone is so 90s like this rich guy 90s. Yeah. You know? So the movie starts and 
they do their first little scene with the suck cut guy. Yeah. And all I could think of was poor suck cut guy because they're making fun of him right to his face, which I mean is supposed to be where all the humor is coming from. But there's like a shot of a suck cut guy and his heart is broken when they're just sitting there making fun of him. ragging on him. And like, I'm like, as like a cool 18 year old kid, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. But as a 35 year old woman who works hard at my job and like, you know, is trying my best. If like, that if was, there was some teenager ragging on my job, I'd be like, fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, same. I'd be like, why? I'm trying my best. I got to feed my family, you jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I identify less with Wayne now that I used to. <laughs> I, I identify way more with the suck cut Also, guy. can I say everyone in this movie has long hair? Yes. Which I feel like maybe you found a way to connect with. No, because everyone's <laughs> long hair was terrible. They all had like the really poofy bangs and stuff. I meant the dudes. I know. I'm talking about the dudes too. Oh. They all had really... Think of Wayne in that scene when they're in Cassandra's loft and he's not wearing a hat. He's got the dumbest looking bangs. Yeah. I mean, well, Garth doesn't count because he's like hair metal. Yeah, but like, I like they're Garth's all like dog that, even has that. Cut, yeah, though. yeah, but, but no, like none of the men who have long hair have good long hair <laughs> at all. Well, no, some of them, some of maybe them like, in the 90s, they were good long hair. Like they're friends. The the three blonde guys, their long hair is kind of more Fabio-esque. But the only people with like short hair are Rob Lowe, Ed O'Neill, and then like Russell. Russ, but Russell turned out to be, then the rest of them are just the jerk, mean guy, like the villain of the movie. Right. Russell's cool, though. Russell's a good dude. I wrote that down. Yeah. Man, I I wanted hair like Cassandra's as a kid, for sure. Like the big bangs mm-hmm. and stuff. You're right. Wayne does have terrible bangs. No kidding, right? They're just hidden by the hat. Exactly. He just, I mean, he probably doesn't have that, you know, it's, it's just a bad wig is what it is. Oh, for sure. I yeah. mean, you know, 100%. But yeah, so the movie starts, they do their first little scene, and then they, they the Bohemian Rhapsody scene happens. And like I'm sure like this is just a note that everybody knows. This this scene is responsible for Queen's resurgence in popularity yeah. in North America. Yeah. Like they nobody cared about Queen in North America until Wayne's World. Yeah. And for, well, then that's not true. Nobody cared about them at the time. Like like they didn't even do a tour in in before like because Freddie Mercury died before the movie came out. Yeah. But they sent him the scene to show, like, because he approved that they could use the song before he died. And they showed it to him and he thought it was very funny, apparently. But, but at the time, like, they, weren't e- they hadn't even toured in the U.S. in years. Because yeah, nobody cared about Queen in North America. Yeah. They, they had a huge, like, fade away from the spotlight in general. But, like, I mean, your lead singer having AIDS and dying isn't I think in the 90s the early 90s is not a way to get popularity unfortunately well I mean just in the 80s too like well I understand but like I'm saying like now and again this is how the, the world has changed like think about things in the 90s like early 90s having AIDS was not a way to garner sympathy which is so terribly sad because mm-hmm. like it's kind of awful. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So anyway, on to more positive things. So the Bohemian Rhapsody scene comes up and this reminded me of something I, I meant to talk about in my memories of the film and I never did. The beginning of the movie, they find their buddy Phil on the side of the road 
And the scene with Garth happens where he's like, if you're going to spew, spew into this. And he pulls out the little Dixie cup. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had a Mad Magazine. It always comes back to Mad Magazine. Yeah, I was say, you were a Mad with Magazine my, with my kid. memories of these movies. And the Mad Magazine parody was called Wayne Hurled. Oh, boy. And if I remember, like 90% of the jokes were about spewing and blowing chunks and, and hurling. And so, like, I, I think about this movie when I hear blowing chunks and hurling and not because of the movie, because of the Mad Magazine parody where they were constantly blowing chunks and hurling and stuff. Yeah, I feel like we don't really say things like hurl and blowing chunks anymore. We just say. I got puke. Puke. Barf. I threw up. Um. Yeah. Yeah. A pop like a balloon. No, that, no one really says that. Like, no. no. Yeah, it tends to be like pretty much like straightforward of like barf. I but again, we're adults. I'm sure there's phrases on the TikTok. You know, though, in in a little while, you know, we won't even be saying, "Did you barf or did you puke or did you throw up?" We'll be saying like, "Does your tum tum hurt?" Yeah. Because we're parents, and that's what happens when we. I already talk say to, that kind of stuff. Your tum tum. Oh, tummers. Your tummy okay? Yeah. Was it ploppers or pedals? <laughs> <laughs> Ew. All, and that always brings me back to the Venture Brothers where it's like, I have to have a push. <laughs> and it's just like a push. I miss the a Venture Brothers. Push? What? I'm so sad it got canceled. The rumor is, is that the head of Cartoon Network is, no, the head of HBO is trying to get it on HBO Max as like a finale movie. So we'll see. So that helps out North America. I know. No, any, yeah. Or not North America, but Canada. But Canada. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks. Well, HBO I mean, HBO Max. HBO Max originals can go, to, can go to Crave, apparently. So, But like the movies stuff, that that's not coming to Crave. Anyway, that we're not talking about that. We're not an entertainment news website. We are a talking about old ass movies website podcast. So they go to Stan Makita's Donuts, which is a parody of Tim Hortons, which I, th- I think is really. Weird. Yeah. And this is where like the sketchiness really starts to come yes. into play when like he's given like bios to everybody and like Ed O'Neill goes off on his rant about murdering people and like he's pretty funny in this though. Ed O'Neill is one of the best parts of this movie mm-hmm. is every time Ed O'Neill shows up, he gives a monologue about murdering people. And it seems like I wonder why, like, I'm sure it's just because they're friends or something but like ed o'neill took a pretty small part and at this point he was a huge star because of married with children it's true i knew him from married with children before i saw the movie and when Same. i saw him in the movie i was like ed o'neill's in this and then he well i, I, I know a I very probably, small part i probably would have said something more along the lines of al bunny's in this yeah 100 yeah. percent. but like he became a huge star because of married with children and now he's like big again with modern family but like I was like, so they, they're probably friends or something. Must be. Or it's a nose Lorne or something. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of second city, you know, in SNL and stuff. So Mm, maybe they have some sort of connection there, but the donut scene is great because it does set up a few things later in the movie. Cause, and it's like the only scene in the movie that does any sort of, well, no, there's two scenes that, that have set up to stuff that happens later. Yeah. And this is one of them. And the other one, they actually call out that that information is important yes. and seems like it's unnecessary at the moment. And then later on, it's like, man, wasn't it great that we were there to hear all yeah. that information? But the cop talks about the giving body cavity searches, yep. which comes into play later. And they talk to an old man at the front counter and they, they say, Mr. Withers. 
how's the amusement park going? And he's like, oh, it's going great. And then that character does not appear again until the Scooby-Doo ending. Oh, yeah. And I always wondered about why, where that dude came from. And this is the time that I caught that he, they plant him at the very beginning of the movie for one line. He's never seen again. I had no idea. Yeah, I never noticed that until this viewing of the movie was that that, that that guy shows up. He's the as soon as they talk to him, I'm like, that's the dude from the Scooby Doo ending. So that's actually really nice that they they set that up. So I wrote that down. But, Interesting. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, uh, we also meet early in the film the ex-girlfriend. What's her name? Stacy. Stacy. Yeah, it is. I think it is Stacy. But it's Lara Flynn. It's Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah. Which always makes me like a little sad seeing Lara Flynn Boyle in the early nineties because, like, I mean, I've watched Twin Peaks and she's in this. She's in like a lot of stuff in the early nineties. She's 90s. in Men in Black at the yeah, end but of like 90s. early nineties Lara Flynn Boyle, like she should have had such. A long, monumental... Because, like, she's really good in Twin Peaks, and she was on uh, that big lawyer show. The Practice. I was about to say. Wasn't yeah. she on The Practice? Yeah, with uh, Dermot Mulroney, right? No. I don't know his name. I know It's Dermot something. Not Dermot Mulroney. Isn't Derek McDermott? I don't know. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he, I know exactly He, he was in American Horror Story and stuff. Yeah. So, whatever. That's fine. But, like... She should have had this big, long, successful career because, like, and in this, she's funny. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff she's known for is dramatic and like tense, but like she's really funny as this like obsessive stalkery ex girlfriend. Like she does a really good for someone who is so beautiful to come across as so awkward. Like that takes some talent, I would say. Like because mm-hmm. I'm like, no, Lara Flynn Boyle is pretty hot. Like. Oh, she she really captures this like manic stalkerish awkward quality, and her whole career trajectory is just such a dumpster. Unfortunately, in the last twenty years, I feel bad for her. She's not doing so well. No, it's unfortunate. Alcohol is a hell of a drug. Ah, that would do it. Yeah. So anyway, did you did you read the trivia that her character is based on an yeah, ex girlfriend? So mean. Yeah, and that, you know, like so she's she the character is based on an actual ex girlfriend of mike myers and the gun rack scene is apparently real it was based on a real occurrence and he said that years later he had called her up and apologized yeah she didn't like it one bit no she was like that's mean like, she thought it was going to be some sort of like weird joke that he'd think is funny because he's a comedian and he was like this is stupid yeah right. did you also read the trivia that apparently he was a real asshole and i did read that as well yeah and i'm like that's unfortunate because i've heard he's a pretty nice guy yeah and he was well he probably has like uh, got a big head from like this is a movie about my character kind of a yeah thing. so you never know but uh, yeah i did read the thing that he like flipped a table because they had butter and not margarine for his bagels but or something like, who likes margarine better mike myers apparently no one as someone who doesn't even eat real butter i would still not get margarine <laughs> My friend's so gross. I, I remember specifically like going out of my way to not have margarine. Yes, it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, anyway, earth balance, guys. Earth balance is what you want. Anyway, if you want a non-dairy buttery we spread. We should just change the name of this episode to Tangent the Episode because we've we should just name change so it to Tangents. Who can we get to sponsor us? Sponsor us Earth Balance. Oh my god. So I'd be so happy. So they go to the gasworks, <laughs> which is the local 
the local uh, like metal band. They called it the Metal Club. And when I think of heavy metal, I do not think of any of the music that was playing in that nightclub. It's like hair band music. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, well, it's still early, early it's 90s. Right. Because right? like they, it came out at the beginning of 92. They're filming this in like 1990. Yeah. Oh, 1991 in that area. So obviously it's not, you haven't hit grunge yet. Yeah. This is just on the cusp of what grunge is about to hit. Cause you could tell like their outfits and everything they're doing and wearing is just on the end of eighties, but not quite grunge. Mm-hmm. It's so on the cusp of it. And as someone who does believe that bands like Nirvana had a huge impact historically on rock and roll. You know, you can see it in like the costume design and stuff, but some of us in this room don't think Nirvana was such an instrumental part of music history. You mean the cat? Oh, you mean me? Oh, right. Yeah, no, that's true. hundred percent. So the gas works. I hope we get mail about that. We probably won't. So they go to the gas, gas, the gax works, the gas works, which had an amazing sign that is such a fire hazard that would never exist (laughs) in real life. But there's the meatloaf cameo here, which I remember as soon as meatloaf showed up, I'm like, oh, wait, there's like a ton of musician cameos. Not in this one. It's the second one that is full of musician yeah, cameos. Yeah, there's a couple like, there's a couple in this one. Yeah. a small part. Alice Cooper shows up. But Alice Cooper shows up as Alice Cooper. Like yes, meatloaf yeah. is not meatloaf. Meatloaf is the bouncer at the club and his name is Tiny. Yeah. You know? So like it's not. It's small. Like I'm out of cameos, but you're right. Like. The second one, because like this was a huge hit, so of course they could now go to all these people like, oh, you want a cameo in Wayne's World too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but well, they get there, and then this is the first time you're introduced to Cassandra. And the note that I wrote here was Tia Carrere is a babe. Yes, agreed. Yes, and I mean, I don't mean just at this time. I mean, still, like, she's yeah, still she's a, babe. a beautiful woman. But remember Relic Hunter? I do remember Relic Hunter, and I remember Relic Hunter because it was just such an awesome. Like, they made a TV show version of Tomb Raider without getting the rights. Yes, <laughs> which was great. My parents used to watch that all the time. My dad called her Booby Hunter. Booby Hunter. That's a great way to to refer to that. Yeah, with- to your daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you meet Cassandra. Some weird stuff happens. Because it, it's destroying it. Stuff. It's a movie where stuff just happens. Yeah. Like, he talks to Cassandra, and I, I mean, I guess it's a movie, so they have to move the plot along very quickly. But, like, it's basically like, hey, do you want a date right now? Like, that, that's like the second thing he says to her is like, yeah. do you want my number? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and she's like, whatever, come to my party at my place. Like, help you know, me pay my rent. Help me in pay my, my weird rent. Weird 90s loft. Which I mean, hey, if, if you had just met me and I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm super into you. And you were just like, uh, I don't really come pay my rent. And then maybe we'll talk, you know, like yeah. maybe, maybe you're down for that. I don't know. But, so that whole scene moves along very quickly, and we get uh, we get a little bit of plot. We we find out that Rob Lowe is trying to buy the show so that he can sell it to his sponsor of Noah's Arcade. And <laughs> I, I wrote this down because I'm sure you were thinking the same thing that I was thinking. That I don't know what it is with movies and video games, especially in the '90s, because they just don't have any idea of what video games are. Yes. So so okay. First of all, it's an arcade. He, he's he's made chain. millions. An arcade chain, correct? He's made millions on his arcade chain. 
I don't know who you talk to, but nobody made money on arcades. Like I can't, th- especially even in the nineties. Like I remember the arcade of the mall was struggling at this point in time. Like yeah. arcades were on their way out. But when it just came to video games in general and how they're handled on this on the, in the movie, so it's the arcade, right? All of the video game footage that he's in front of during the commercial is Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega CD, <laughs> which was not in the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's like, and he's talking about how he has two of every machine to make sure there's no lines. Right. Da, 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 da. And like, it's so funny because he said he left the meat packing or whatever. Yeah, industry, the meat packing industry. Like basically the beef industry to like go into arcades because he realized that's where the real money is. And I'm like, this is so not correct. Even then they must have known this. But as I guess as like they had to explain why he was in arcades somehow even yeah. if it wasn't right like why did they pick arcades yeah and then the other thing well i it mean it really has no other bearing on the plot except for its arcades it, well it needed to be i'm assuming it needed to be something that was youthful to I, for him I, to be yeah you know what you're right like why not make it the freaking music stores i i have no idea i have no idea. I mean, it would make more sense because they talk about music and play guitar and stuff and drums and things like that yeah. but or like a <laughs> venue like a small club venue or something yeah but they talk about they talk about the arcade games and i mean i get it you don't want to pay licensing rights to talk about joust or some shit right yeah. but they they make up this game where you're like a gelatinous cube and you eat villagers yeah. and it sounds like it's pong or some crap like we're not pong but like well joust or or cubert or something like that like that's the mm-hmm. kind of game that they talk about like that's what it sounds like I, I wrote some games down. I actually went and I, I did a quick look. This is some of the kind of games that were coming out in arcades in 1992. Street Fighter 2. Mm. Much, much more advanced than something like Hubert. Yeah. X-Men the arcade game, which is one of my favorite arcade games of all time, which yeah. is very, like compared to original arcade games, very advanced. Uh, Mortal Kombat. The first Mortal Kombat is wow. out at this time. So like... These are big games, you know, like you should know that they're not the same kind of thing anymore. So I just thought it was really funny that that is how they represent video games in the movie. I mean, even the games that were playing, people were playing on Sega Genesis, which Sonic the Hedgehog, which they clearly knew about because it's in the movie. Yeah. Like they should have known that that's not what games were like anymore, but I mean, it's written by comedy writers who probably are like, ah, what do kids like? Ah, video games. Yeah, like, because, like, <laughs> you know, Mike Myers is known as, like, a music lover yeah. and a spy movie lover and a hockey lover and a Canadiana lover and everything, but he's not known as being a video game lover. And, I mean, to be really into video games in the 90s is not what it is today. No. Like, now all the celebrities are on Twitch playing video games. It's a, it's a whole different world when it comes to celebrities and video games in the 90s. Like, how much crossover could there really have been? But now it's like, it seems like every celebrity has their own Twitch channel. Yeah. I mean, like, Oscar Isaac, at the time we were recording this, Oscar Isaac has is, is just been announced to be Solid Snake mm-hmm. in the Metal Gear Solid game or this Metal Gear Solid movie. And, and he, he asked for that. Like, there's some interview with him where they're like, if you could be in a video game movie, what one would you be? And he specifically says, I would be Snake in Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, so, like, sure. he knows games, right? Like, Metal Gear Solid is not what you would call a mainstream game. Like, you know, like, there are games like Sonic and Mario that 
that grandma knows, right? Yes. But like, you know, grandma's not going to walk out and be like, oh, solid snake and Metal Gear is solid. I mean, maybe my grandma. I oh, shut no, up. your grandma's not going to no, know. No, she's so not going to she, She's probably got a better handle on it than your mom. Your mom would be like, oh, go play a Nintendo. Go play a Nintendo. She knows Resident Evil because that was one that I talked about a lot. She doesn't know anything about it. She thinks she thinks every video game is Resident Evil because that's the game that I really liked. So my, my mom really liked the first level of Donkey Kong. Yes, and that's it. <laughs> the first level of Donkey, of Donkey Kong. Kong. Yeah, and then when she beat it, she's like, "That's enough for me." Well, she would replay that level. Yeah. she didn't want to play the other levels. I was like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah, no, my mom because the only game she saw me playing was Resident Evil. She just assumed that that was every single video game. So when I was like, when I said to things to her like, "You should try video games because they you know, they might help you relax and stuff," she was like, "Well, I don't want to shoot all these people in the head." And I'm like, "That's not that's what video games are." Like, there are so many video games. Where Some you of don't them do you that. stab people in the head. Yeah, like I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima, and it's more stabbing. Yeah, than there's shooting. all swords and like hucking knives in the air and stuff. Anyway. So yeah, video games in the 90s, not really well represented. The worst video game representation, but also like a weirdly clever video game representation I've ever seen in any movie was when we watched Gross Point Blank and there's a Doom 2 arcade machine. Mm-hmm. What? What? There's no Doom 2. <laughs> like, I like that you're still hung up about the whole like Doom and Blank it wasn't an arcade game. Uh, there shouldn't be a Doom 2 arcade machine. Anyway, forget it. Back to this movie. So they sell out for $5,000 each, which I mean, normally I, I've gone back and, and done an inflation thing to see how much that money would be. But I mean, I guess $10,000 to a guys who are running a cable access show for free. That's a pretty big deal for them, right? Yeah. But, but considering the way that it gets like the show, the way it's running, like you would think that they would, I mean, they're, they're idiots. They're being taken advantage of. So clearly they, they don't know what it's worth or anything like that. But, yeah. But uh, did you ever get the impression that they were on like network television or cable or what? Cause they were on like public access. And then th- I don't remember them ever actually saying where that show was. Yeah. I feel like it was completely local. Right. Like, remember, this is this is the the early 90s. Like, you lived in a city. I did not. I lived in, we had an antenna. So, like, we wouldn't have even gotten public access if that was even a thing at the time where we are. But I feel like this was something that, like, you probably could have gotten no matter what your setup was. Does that make sense? Where, right. like, if you were on an antenna or cable or... I feel like satellite, some people had the giant satellite dishes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was probably, but like, it would be like channel 83. I feel like it would be more like, you know, you're, you're watching the Fox affiliate, you know, like there's for us, it was Fox 29, but there's like Fox 32 and, and like Timbuktu and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So it might've been whatever the Chicago Fox affiliate was or something like that. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they, they sell out, and um, I, the one thing that I thought that was really funny was the he goes on a date with Cassandra, and they're, they're driving, right? Mm-hmm. And he puts on his CD player, and <laughs> Cassandra's like, oh, <laughs> you have a CD player. Where did you get that? And he's like, oh, with the money. Like- <laughs> like having a CD player means that he's super damn rich. Like, it? I I didn't own my first CD player in my house until oh probably ninety seven. 
I feel like my brother had a CD player. I feel like your your brother would have had a CD player as soon as he could save up the pennies. I had a CD player for Aqua's first album. So whenever Aqua's first, that was the first, that was the first CD I ever had. So that'd be 96, 97. My first CD was Lives Throwing Copper. Which, which is that one? Like, what's the song? Is it Uh, Lightning Crashes? Yes. Okay. I, I don't know live that well. I know I know some of the singles, but I don't know what what's from. I like what. live. It's pretty good. Well, yeah, okay. Enough to buy their CD as your first CD, so yeah, yeah. But I did I did enjoy that the CD player for the car was like, oh, look how rich I am. I also Not bought dumb. this licorice thing that's on the roof. Yeah, of the that car. weird licorice dispenser. <laughs> I'm like, licorice is disgusting. Uh, you Red licorice you is disgusting. Black licorice is delightful. I knew you would be uh, against the the licorice, but it's funny that that was. I mean, that's the stupid guy spending all of his money thing on. Speaking of stupid guys with money, mm-hmm. sorry, I want to get into Rob Lowe a little bit. Okay, yeah. Rob Lowe's plan in this movie is very much like the Underpants Gnomes, where it's buy cable access show, have arcade owner on show. Step three profit yeah like but at the same time he also needs to make sure he's trying to steal the girl yes because obviously he has to just be a villain the villain but like he doesn't seem like honestly that bad a guy it's not like he tries to have wayne arrested but at the same time um at one point he writes what is exploit cable access show yeah in his diary like why would you put that in your diary literally exploit it it's like it's funny you know what it is it is funny it is a funny line but at the same time people in that kind of a job they they don't look at exploit as in in that kind of terminology like you remember when i do you remember they changed i used to work for a company and they changed the name, like the the motto of the company to like exploit, explore. And I'm like. No, it was explore, exploit. And it's like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Ex- exploit being in the name, like the, 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 the motto of the company was like, uh, you know, grab the collar kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, look, rich people don't think of exploit in that in that same kind of terminology right but it it does make for a funny joke in the in the in the movie though but the, but as as the roblo scenes start going on you get to meet more of like more of russell mm-hmm. and actually this is when i wrote russell's a really good dude because despite the fact that he's one of the suits right yeah he's still never mean to them he's only there to help them yep and like he's trying to teach them how to do the show. Yeah. And then when it comes down to it, when they're like, hey, like I'm, I'm supposed to stop you guys. And they're like, well, you, you shouldn't because that dude's a bad dude. And the only reason you're doing it is because like, you know, he told you to. And, and then and then he he joins forces with them. Yep. If I remember, Russell might be in the second one as well as like a, a returning character that helps out. Might be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I might be remembering that wrong, but I, I remember- I remember playing a lot of lawyers in other shows. That guy? Oh yeah, he's in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And usually he's a bad guy in general, but- He's more of like a smarmy guy. The smarmy bad guy. I feel like there's like some nice movie- It's nice him as like a good guy. Yeah, because he's definitely like a good dude in this. So they go to the Alice Cooper concert as like distraction so that uh, that Rob Lowe can try to, to bang Cassandra kind of a thing. Yeah. And I remember that when I saw this rock concert, the Alice Cooper rock concert, yeah, I thought that this was what every rock concert was like. 
like with the crazy pageantry and stuff. So when I actually finally saw one, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> you know, like I thought there was going to be giant skeletons and stuff like that at every rock concert that you ever go to. But no, that's not what it was at all. Interesting. So, but it's so funny too, because as an adult, that Alice Cooper backstage scene is so much funnier. Yes, that was actually one of my favorite scenes of the film. But I remember we discussed this with Donald Sutherland. I was like, why can't I remember his name? Yeah. It'll come to me, Donald Sutherland. Alice Cooper, and I Googled Alice Cooper because I was like, I this doesn't feel right. Because like maybe I'm just like, oh, my brain is only picture. No, Alice Cooper looks the same in 1978 as he does in 1992, as yeah. he looks in the year 2000. The man has not changed at all. He yep. has always looked old. He has always looked rough. He has not changed at all. And it's very bizarre. Like, it's like, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. He has always been old. but the scene in the movie i assumed as a kid i didn't find that scene funny because i didn't know alice cooper i had no idea that when they went backstage and alice cooper wasn't like a crazy you know rock and roll party guy i i i had no idea that that was a joke you know because they go back there and he's like oh whoa why do you stick around and then they start like he starts like spouting off facts about native americans and stuff which I mean, knowing now what I know about yeah. Alice Cooper's past and stuff, like it, it's super funny to to meet Alice Cooper and have him be like that. Although the funny thing is, is apparently he's actually like that. Like apparently he's a huge history buff and like really likes to talk about history. So I mean, history is cool. I know that you're a big fan of history, but but yeah. So that scene itself was so much funnier as an adult than I than it was when I was a kid because I didn't realize that was a joke when I was a kid. Oh yeah, no. yeah. And then uh, after that scene happens, we get to see the Chris Farley cameo, yeah. which really just made me miss Chris Farley. Chris Farley was fun. Chris Farley was the best. And then... They have like... So when they have the guy who owns the arcades, Noah's Arcades yes. guy, on the show. So this is this is where like Rob Lowe is really trying to rein Wayne in to like get in line and do what you have to do to be like, you know, this is how the real wor- world works, you rock star bum kind of thing. And so Wayne is like, fine, I'll read the cards. But on the cards, he wrote like on the back so the camera could see all yeah, these yeah. like offensive things. Like this guy has no penis and like stuff like that. And honestly, like I found that like very immature, but funny. Mm-hmm. And But then, so, okay, so he plays this joke on the guy and immediately Rob Lowe just is like, you're fired. And it's like, so here's the thing. What is his plan at this point? He's bought this show yeah, called Wayne's World due to the popularity of Wayne in the area so that he can sell advertising time on this show. And then after one segment, yeah, not, not even, even the entire episode, episode, he fires Wayne in the middle of the show. What is his end game yeah. here? Because he's like, we own the show. But the show, if it doesn't have the Wayne on Wayne. it. Wayne. Like, Garth gonna... can't carry a show. We could see that right off the bat when he just stares at the camera. It's like, Ugh. but were they going to recast Wayne or something like that? Like, yeah, it, his plan is flawed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, I know it's a silly movie and everything, but I'm just kind of like, what is Rob Lowe going to do here? Because like, people in the area know Wayne and they love Wayne. Like, we there's a lot of scenes where Wayne shows up at things. They're like, oh. Oh, it's Wayne. We love you, Wayne. And yeah. people love him as like a local celebrity. 
Like that's like people know him as like I'm trying to think of someone in our area. Hamilton Dancing Man. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> Hamilton Dancing Man. You wouldn't like sponsor Hamilton Dancing Man by putting like what's the muff or what's the um green garage company? Green pea? No, the uh, Oh Oh, I know what you mean. Like a local chain. Yeah. Like a local chain. Heck, you wouldn't put Tim Hortons mm-hmm. on Dancing Man and be like, okay, we're doing it to promote Dancing Man. Yeah. Everyone in the town knows this guy in our city that everybody calls the Dancing Man because he literally dances everywhere he goes. Apparently, he got married recently. I did see he got married, yeah. Which is lovely. Congratulations, Dancing Man. Yeah. And like he's a super nice guy. I've talked to him. He's a really great, but he dances everywhere he goes. So you imagine sponsoring Dancing Man. Everyone in the city is a fan of Dancing Man. They love Dancing Man. And then immediately you fire Dancing Man, give the Dancing Man sponsored jacket to some random guy, be like, okay, now you dance. People would like throw eggs at him. Yeah. <laughs> like, who do you think you are? You're not Dancing Man. Coffees. They throw Tim Hortons coffee. They would. Yep. Hamilton's a rough town sometimes. It is a rough town. It's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> in some respects. Anyway. Yeah, no, the plan really falls apart in the scene. It doesn't make. A lick of sense. Mm-hmm. And then at this point, the movie just, it goes from like a series of like five to 10 minute sketches held together with some kind of glue to just, what is going on? Yeah. It, nothing after this makes any sense. Yeah. Like uh, he rushes to go see Cassandra and there's a Terminator parody, which I, at the time, as a kid, I got that. Because I had seen Terminator 2. Yeah, I didn't get so it. So I loved it. I didn't get it. I absolutely I just loved knew it. he was a bad guy and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I got it now, obviously, because you made me watch Terminator 2. But like, I didn't get that when I watched it like the first few times I've watched this movie. That's fine. I mean, you're that's you're allowed to not get it. But kidding? like, the movie just gets really weird. You know, like all sorts of wacky crap happens. And then and they have the plan to, to get you know, Mr. Big to watch Cassandra's performance. Yeah. Which, and it, yeah. But like that, that plan is so wacky. Like, why didn't they just send him a demo tape versus like, like literally like, I'm like, wait, cause I know at one point Garth is making a robot and Garth has done other things with stuff. And like, yeah, he, but like, he's talking about like, Oh, the trajectory of like, blah, 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 satellite, blah, 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 blah. And you need to do this. And you need to do this. And everybody's like assigning. I'm like, Garth's an idiot. Like, I mean, he may be a savant, but Garth's kind of an idiot. And yeah. I don't think this is how any of this works. And they're going to somehow locate and like beam specifically Cassandra performing for this guy at the exact right moment he's going to be watching TV. And then even with the dozens of like, and not dozens, it's like three endings that they shoot for this. It's just, it doesn't mean he just, he's like somehow gets there before the end of the song. Yeah. None of the endings, none of the endings make sense. And, and are or satisfying. No, none of them are satisfying. It's like one is a bad ending. Yeah. One is a which, weird ending and one is a quote unquote. The best. Good ending. It's the best ending. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's just like, oh, everybody wins except for Rob Lowe. But Rob Lowe comes back and he's like, I've learned a, a lesson. And yeah. they're like, great. And like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, what? Let's make a fish face. Like, and then it just ends. It's just done. It's just over. The credits play. 
And then there's a bit at the end that we didn't watch that I remember now. Oh, it's shoot. Like, what why, is it? It's like, why are you still watching the movie? And I remember there's also a part where they're talking about like names in the credits and they're going like this, like, hey, look at that guy. And then they, they, they like move their hand, but their hands are moving faster than the credits are rolling. So it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Wait, they do a like, why are you still watching? Yeah, they That's do a Ferris, Ferris Bueller, Bueller too. Yeah, yeah. They stole like from my favorite movie. I mean, I'm sure they're playing homage. I'm sure. But yeah, no, it's them sitting on the couch being like, all right, that was Wayne's World. What'd you think, Wayne? But it's like halfway through the credits and I totally forgot to watch that. Meh. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's the movie. It just ends. Nothing really is accomplished. No. Like, because like not even Cassandra gets the contract, quote unquote, but like he's just like, come see me. Like, yeah. That's it. Like that's, the, nothing is finalized, you know, like it's it's just, there it is. It's, it's, it's over. The movie's yeah, done. Just, it just ends it's it's odd yeah and so far like this is actually about to be our longest podcast so we should oh just, we should wrap it up we should just end too and get back into what critics thought about the movie uh, back in okay. 1992 so hilariously this movie has both an 84 for critical and audience on Rotten tomatoes the exact oh. same score on both my bro, Roger Ebert, said, I walked into Wayne's world expecting a lot of dumb, vulgar comedy, and I got plenty, but I also found what I didn't expect, a genuinely amusing, sometimes even intelligent undercurrent. Gene Siskel ranked it his number eight out of his top 10 films of 1992, but Variety said director Penelope Spheris? Her last name is S-P-H-E-E-R-I-S. Spheris? Sure. Uh, with her with fa- first major studio assignment, delivers a colorful but uneventful picture. And how do we decide who's going first? The person who the picked person who it? picked the movie goes first. Okay, I'm going to agree with Variety. I, I honestly like totally unexpected, but I'm going to give this a plain popcorn. Really? It wasn't nearly as good as I remembered, but it's not bad. It's just I think it's a movie I might be too old for. Uh-huh. which kind of hurts my heart. <laughs> like, I'm just like a lot of the stuff Wayne did, like he was a shitty friend to Garth and I don't know. He's just, it's very immature and I don't know. I just like, I really expected to love it again. I expected it to be like you with, cause I loved this movie. I expected it to be like you with Billy Madison, where you just, loved it the whole way through and i kind of also kept thinking wow he just recycled a lot of the sort of catchphrasey stuff and then put a british accent on it and made it austin powers i mean i guess that is one way to look at it which i mean unless you have more i can no pop it that's mind. kind of the end so plain popcorn for okay me. plain popcorn for you it's funny that you mentioned austin powers because it's also funny that we've done austin powers this is actually our first movie with a returning leading actor yeah and and it's so funny that you mentioned Austin Powers because this is what I feared was going to happen when we watched Austin Powers was that I was going to watch it and the humor would be very dated and and I just like it just wouldn't hold up for me. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, I loved Austin Powers. Yeah, I thought Austin Powers was was a double butter and and was still just as funny to watch today as it was back in the day. Not feeling the same. Oh. Not feeling the same for Wayne's World. I don't have the same kind of nostalgia for the '90s that you do. Mm. You know, which so, is weird because we're almost the exact same age. I know, but it's so like 
you I don't know what it is. You're all about, you know, the early 90s and stuff. I my the 90s so much. I maybe cuz I my 90s sucked and I didn't have a lot of friends uh, that I just mine didn't either. I think I my know. friends were movies, which is why I'm so nostalgic for what I thought was my reality in the 90s, which was just the movies I was watching. Maybe, but like a lot of the humor just didn't hit me. You know, like there there's a few bangers out here. It's all of the stuff that you think of really. Like the Terminator joke really hit for me. The Grey Poupon joke hit for me, you know? Yeah. But most of the jokes in between didn't do anything for me. You know, like mm-hmm. this one of the smartest jokes in the entire movie is when Garth is reading Roblo's diary and, and he says, like, find, you know, local cable access show and exploit it. Yeah. I feel bad for whoever that is. Yeah. That's really funny. Garth was the best part of this movie. Yeah, but, I mean, Lara Flynn Boyle is, is fantastic. And, yep. like, her wiping out on the bike is great. She's good in it, too. A lot of the supporting people. Yeah. Russell's really good. Rob Lowe plays a great villain. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I didn't care for Wayne. I didn't care for Wayne. And I didn't care for that that stuff so as much as i i was going into it earlier today being like yeah i'm gonna give it a plane i'm not i'm gonna give this a burn (gasps) i'm giving this a burn because when i think of movies that i've given planes on the show when i think of movies that i've given planes to on the show normally i say it's worth watching it for x reason and i don't think there's anything worth watching wayne's world for Wow! You could watch. You could watch. Whoa! You could watch a YouTube compilation of the best jokes and accomplish just as much as by watching the entire movie. Wow! I still think it's worth a watch for like some of the humor and for a lot of the supporting parts mm-hmm. and just the general experience of the early nineties. But honestly, the worst part about this movie is Wayne. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's the, it's the, your main character is the worst part of your movie. I just don't like him. Yeah. So yeah, I, I give it. I, I I'm disappointed that I'm giving it a burn, but I'm giving it a burn. So there you go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm kind of like. <laughs> you just don't know what to think about it, eh? You know what, though? That's what I'm here for in this podcast is like these surprise takes. It's like my reaction to Gremlins. I still can't believe I I actually like regret not giving Gremlins. uh, No, you made your choice. I did make my choice. That was my choice. But that was your true feeling. Wow. Yeah, I'm giving I'm giving Wayne's World a burnt popcorn. So I would not recommend you can find more. Ferris Bueller is a better comedy to watch. Oh, Ferris if you Bueller watch. is one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah. So if you want to watch a movie that does Wayne's World and better, you can just go watch Ferris Bueller. But it's funny because Wayne's World came out, what, six, seven years after Ferris Bueller? Math-wise, it'd be seven. Yeah. So really, not that different of a time. No. And that's the crazy thing because like, I, I started watching, this is just a real quick tangent, Ferris Bueller. Very young. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't have the same nostalgia for like the era that Ferris Bueller is that I do for like the era that Wayne's World is. Mm -hmm. But like, it's because I wasn't like I was born the same year Ferris Bueller came out. And makes me sad that that movie is that old. It makes me sad that I'm that old. 
but like I barely remember the reality of 1992. Like I was seven. I don't remember much of that time. And mm-hmm. I don't have any sort of like fun, wild adventures like as a teen or young adult during that time that I feel like I did, but I was seven. I didn't. But I have this nostalgia for that time because I at least remember existing in that time. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird, like the difference is only a few years, but I don't have any nostalgia for the eighties that I do for the nineties. But I feel like you have nostalgia for the eighties, despite the fact that you were like a fetus. <laughs> I mean, I I have a nostalgia for a lot of the films of the eighties. That that's for sure. But I did not see most of those movies until in the nineties. So maybe that's it. Maybe because my my nineties was full of eighties films. That's why I have more nostalgia for the eighties than I do for the nineties. Oh, I'm right. The nineties for me was the Batman animated series and the X Men animated series. That's where I lived. You know, in in my life. But but uh, you know what? I will give a double butter to. We watched this on DVD and the DVD menu was, was that great. old ass channel that you, you used to watch slowly scroll by and tell you what was on TV. And that was a brilliant DVD menu. You want to know something super hilarious? Sure. I never had that menu. No kidding. eh? Not my whole life. Never had it. Wow. No, I distinctly remember. I remember what color mine was and, nope, and what we channel. Went- it was channel 18. Nope. I never had it. I had a, or I'm sorry, I had a antenna with rabbit ears as a kid and we had three channels. So obviously no menu channel when you have only a few channels because really, mm-hmm. and then we went straight to a satellite dish, which it actually just had a menu. There you go. That you could control. Instead of the one that scrolls. Instead of the one that scrolls and then you had a key and the number. So yep. you've never known the pain of scrolling only when to I the channel. houses. And it, it, it just missing the channel you were hoping to catch to see what was on. I didn't and you had to have, wait for it to go the whole way through again. I didn't have anything beyond the, and even then, at first it was three channels. It was CBC, Global, and Fox 29. No, did we even have Global or was it TVO? And then we had six channels for a long time. And then we had a satellite dish when I was in like eighth grade. Well, there you go. I was watching Simpsons. Yeah, well, you gotta. It's everybody had Simpsons too. But I think on that note, we're going to end this episode right here. Now that we have those shocking, shocking ratings. I'm really shocked. I thought you would have given it. And you know what? Next week, you're going to be like, should have given it a plane. No. I'm regretting my choice. No, I don't regret my choice. Wow. It's like I said, I, I gave the craft... A, a burnt popcorn because I wouldn't recommend watching it and I just said right now I wouldn't recommend watching Wayne's World so I'm still mad that you wouldn't recommend the craft what is wrong with you you gotta watch that second craft that's a great movie <laughs> <laughs> next week so that, that we're, let's get in next week but for this episode we've been Mike I'm Laura and next week we actually got kind of an easy one because we've already recorded that episode Next week, we will be talking about Back to the Future with my co-host, Chris Blonsky from Part-Time Nerds, Full-Time Dads. We actually already recorded the episode back in November when we did Extra Life, when we did our Extra Life charity stream. As part of the charity stream, we recorded an episode and we just, you know, needed a place to stick it when it made sense and... Now is that time. So there you go. So wow. that episode is going to have more dated references than usual because it was back in November that we recorded that one. So. Wow. Yeah. I'm but, still, I'm blown away by the whole burnt 
on this. Like, Sorry. Really? Like, no, you have re- every right, but I'm just kind of like, wow. It's like how I felt when you gave Gremlins a double butter. It was the last Yeah, it's a shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, join us next week when we talk in the past about Back to the Future, which took place in the past, but they try to get back to the future. As we, it's and then it's the present. I'm so and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, we will talk to you again soon. Really, a burnt. I'm Laura, <laughs> but wow.